Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode Hashmark um, uh, Orthorp 269 of Lave Radio, the show about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your guest host, something like that, Commander Crash, and joining me in the orange Sidewinder bar for this episode are me and some other folks that don't really matter. No, it's uh, Commander Edelweiss, Ben Moss Woodward. I thought you, I thought you were being blown up. <laughs> Several At least times I was offering to buy you. <laughs> oh, that's what she said. <laughs> We've also got Commander Phoenix of Fire, Colin Ford. And Commander Psycho Grand Walcott. Hello. Hello. And Commander Shan. Shan, how are you doing? <laughs> Hello. Good to see you all. Nice to be back there. Hello, everyone. It's lovely to have you back, John. <laughs> how the devil have you been, old chap? Oh, yeah, we wrong if i was to say not too bad but hey screw it carrying on with things got to do it haven't you got to keep on keep on honking and keep scooping on, keep on plugging away exactly i've seen you back on streaming and all that kind of stuff yeah again of late yeah. which is awesome to see you back but i think oh. grant's actually got a very important question for you don't you grant mm. yeah who are you <laughs> it does feel a bit like that, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's it, it it has been lovely coming back and doing the streaming actually. Everyone's been asking after the entire time and you know, check checking up on me, making sure I was all right and everything. So yeah, it was it, it was lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we've all missed you. You you know we've I've missed, missed you guys. <laughs> but then again, we can be load. <laughs> <laughs> Crush just always brings friends, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Imaginary <laughs> ones. <laughs> Mostly. I'm hearing the voices again. Am I? No. <laughs> right. oh, why don't you tell me how you've been, Colin? And we'll, we'll do you first. Well, I'll do you second, actually. I've done John first. I don't want to be done by anybody, if you don't mind. Well, I've been ill for the last two weeks. Um, I've not been uh, at all. And uh, last night was the first night I was actually able to log back into Elite Dangerous for almost a week and a half. So. Oh, ouch. Yep, that goes to prove how. <coughs> so, excuse me. Yeah. How, how ill I am. Yes, uh, I am. So, not much in game, mostly just getting better. Did have a, a party to go to at the weekend, which I did get into a kill for. <clears throat> Less said about that, the better. Okay. Uh, and that's been that's about me. So, yeah. kilts in Manchester are probably as commonly seen in, as kilts in in Sheffield and things like that. Um, put it this way: it scared the people in McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Grant's wife went off and stole all my chickens and killed them all, and then skinned them. Actually, she's been plucking my chickens. And, and, hey. and just to you know, to continue to to you know, in the same vein as Ben. What my wife does with your cock has got nothing to do <laughs> no. with 
Hey. Yeah, my wife has turned into a raging gaming psycho, a third person. She really is. Maniac from someone who loves nature to fucking skin it, skin it now, <laughs> shoot it. That she's become, thanks to Red Dead Redemption, is unbelievable. Really? I thought that was the latest for Planet Zoo for what you want about. <laughs> it's, it's getting worse than that, Grant, now. You know, the, earlier today, she was like, you know, I need that thing there for one of its feathers. I don't care it's a rare, bold, lesser eagle or whatever. I need one of its feathers now. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. You should be. You really, really, really should it's be. It's all Skip Rat's fault. He started by getting her hooked into a, a shoot fest of uh, Borderlands 3. And, um, well, I think it started with way back. She quite enjoyed the Sea of Thieves but that's kind of cartoon violence. Doesn't really count mm. as that kind of game. But she, you know, the minute she hit Borderland Three, she became a raging psychopath and has not <laughs> stopped yet. So <laughs> yeah, she's enjoying gaming. Um, it's it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've got my own Red Dead. I'm enjoying that. It's quite a good wee game to jump in and out of. You're a psychopath. <laughs> no, I just like killing all the innocents. <laughs> there is no such thing as innocent. Hog tie them and chuck them on the railway lines is what I see. <laughs> Okay, this is getting worryingly psychotic. I, I did see a video that Ben showed me in Discord about a genius playing Planet Zoo. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, it's it, was that was that the one be as cruel as possible? Yeah, yeah. I somehow I thought that would appeal to you. I got no idea why. It was it was hilarious. It was so funny. Do you want to describe what the guy did that was funny? Well, they, they, he discovered you can make trees pivot on each other, so he spelled out the word run in his park <laughs> in trees. And he then made the most convoluted path in three dimensions possible to try and see just how patient the uh, guest would be without seeing an animal. And he then made the smallest enclosure possible, literally it was like a, a wall by wall by wall, and then managed to put in 163 giraffes <laughs> with no food and no I think the funniest thing that he did was <laughs> made essentially a floating island above this path of convol convolutedness and then drop all the animals on top of the guests. <laughs> he had like elephants plummeting onto the guests. Ugh. <laughs> uh. So, unfortunately, you can't release the hounds or release the uh, lions in that game, though, can you? No. They don't attack the guests, unfortunately. But they do attack each other. He <laughs> sort of like had a battle royale at the top of this floating island he did. But, yes, it's um, if they just had been able to eat the guests or even, even the guests weeping as they saw a dead animal, that would just make it. Perfect. Yeah, you, you just want that little bit of guest savagery going on there. Yeah, you do, yeah. You have to have that. Uh, these things are needed. Or even, as a minimum, because you get protesters turn over the animals aren't looked after, just unleash the lions on the protesters. You know, oh, well, missed opportunity. <laughs> no, I'm going to agree with that. Shan, how have you been this week, apart from enjoying animal cruelty? I haven't been doing too badly actually this week. Um, it's it's my penultimate week of my ridiculous fitness regime. Uh, so I've got I did yeah three hours last week and got another three hours this week. Um, 
to go and then I've got another section next week. So yeah, yesterday's yesterday's one was tough. It was um hard work, but I'm I'm glad I'm doing it because I am feeling better and it sound it sounds really strange, but I haven't actually sprinted as in proper sprinted for years. And it's it's been so long I forgot how to sprint, if that makes any sense. I think that makes sense, yes. Yeah, can I just point out to Commander Duckface, who's hanging around um, Leave Station at the moment, we're actually heading out to the uh, to the Leave Station bar, the Orange Sidewire. So, uh, just in case you were wondering. So, um, I think we've covered everybody. That's 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 quick. Everyone matters. Yeah, um, as as we said earlier, we we are flying about in open around the Orient side of the bar in Planet Lave. But if you can't get to us in-game, you can also join the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live. Click on the live chat. And, of course, on Twitch TV slash laveradio. So we've had a, a couple of small items come out of Frontier Towers this week. The first one was Frontier's trading statement and roadmap updated for the 15th of November. I haven't had a chance to look at this one myself, so who'd like to take that? I haven't actually read it, which is unusual for me, but there was some consternation on the forums, as is usual. It it pretty much, the consternation comes from what was said in that report, uh, which is um, the future of Elite Dangerous is also exciting. Frontier is developing a major new paid-for release for the space simulation, which will dramatically expand gameplay and mark the beginning of a new era for Elite Dangerous. It's uh, characterized by significant features to appeal to existing commanders, whilst being specifically designed to be a compelling, attractive, and welcoming entry point for new players. Target for the launch is the end of 2020. This major new release of multiple platforms will fall into financial year 2021. Now, it's that particular statement which got a lot of people wound up on the forums. The fact that 2021 was mentioned, everybody just jumped on the bandwagon and said, oh, that's it. It's going to be delayed. To which page... You jumped on it quite quickly, so um, just to point out, I think it was within t- less than two hours before the first uh, complaint complaint came through. She was on it and ex- um, clarified the situation, saying, "Nope, we're still on target for late 2020, and um, no need to panic," which calmed the thread down quite quickly. Although it's, it's a financial statement, so why wouldn't the they would be. dates be financial year? Yeah, it, it's, it quite clearly says it, doesn't it? it it's, the revenue will go into that financial year, which ends May 2021. So, I mean, I know these things are quite verbose and difficult to understand for a lot of people, so you can imagine why there was confusion. <laughs> you mean lots of words with more than one syllable? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think as everybody was trying to just you know, oh, something's gone wrong. Let's go and make a song and dance of it. So, yeah. So, uh, and that is about it for as far as development news is concerned. Um, everything else has really been uh, focused on the present Interstellar Initiative. So, just from a small show of hands, are you playing the Interstellar Initiative? And uh, which side are you backing? 
or are you playing both sides against each other? Um, I'm playing it. Um, mm-hmm. What I'm doing is I'm choosing the side that offers the most credits um, at that particular time. So I don't really care about the columnists or anything like that at all. I just want the credits. Like, like a true elite immersive. <laughs> Pretty much. Didn't expect anything else there. Ben, are you playing this one? I'm not for a couple of reasons. One, the columnists quite clearly say, piss off and leave us alone. And ah. neither neither of the options seem to be, we'll leave you alone then, shall we? Uh, actually, if you read through the blurb, for the actual community goal, mm-hmm. um, they have decided, the, the colonists have decided, actually, this generation ship ain't going to last much longer, and reluctantly, we're going to leave her. But... Okay, okay, so they are they're saying, they are changing the tune a wee bit now, are they? Yes, they are changing, the, they've changed the, the, according to the lore, they've changed their tune, um, they, they realise that um, they're going to have to leave because the the poor ship ain't going to last much longer. The Golconda is is on its last legs, so so they're going to turn it into a museum piece. Why, why is leave, the Leave Radio Sidewinder Bar shooting other other ships at the moment? There are a bunch of wanted ships around. Is there? Yeah, there were. We've determined somebody left the stove on. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's on fire. Yes, we're on fire. Yeah, so <laughs> Miggles Crash and I are just hiding out underneath this advert. Oh, well, I'll just, I'll just hang about here then. Can I just right. drag us back a, a wee second to that uh, finan- financial statement? Because <clears throat> everyone focused on the fact they said 2021. But isn't there like something even more exciting in that sentence? The exact sentence that they've stopped and not read. The fact that there's one major release planned for 20, the end of the financial year yeah. 2021. Mm-hmm. And then there's two major releases planned for it in 2022, and we just totally and utterly just ignore that. Really, I kind amazing... of I kind of didn't associate that with necessarily being elite. I thought it was other. Yeah, um, that's what I I was under the yeah, impression. Yeah, I'm seeing that other franchises as well because they yeah. they they have got an um one untitled game or completely original. Mm-hmm. And they do have another franchise title, which it it is the rumor that that's more Jurassic World or no that the, they well they they managed to get another IP for a different license for something else in March 2019. I think that's the one that they're talking about being released there. But of course, there is a there is another unannounced thing. Yeah, did EA lose the Star Wars license? <laughs> no, EA have it unfortunately still. I, I say that apparently the new Fall, Jedi Fallen Order is very good. Uh, it's funny that because I was watching some of the, the the footage from that, and then I went and played Jedi Knight, and I realised still, <laughs> still not good. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I'll, no, I'll probably still get awesome. it anyway. Uh, it's not, it's on my Christmas list. Yeah, is that what you wanted to talk about, Cow? Is that why there's all those dots? Yes, that was it. Ah, I do apologise. I was I was pulling into orbit around the lay station, uh, the the orange sidewinder bar. So, um, yeah, back to the uh, interstellar initiative. Uh, Crash, are you playing this one? 
Um, I'm going to try. I still need to cash in from last week, so hopefully I get a chance to do it this week and, and get over there. Um, I, I saw the uh, the polls were going out on the various platforms like Twitter and things like that to say, would you be backing the feds or the the empire? Uh, I'm still undecided of which, which way to go. I think I'd very much like Shan, <laughs> I'll go for the highest bidder. <laughs> it looks like the feds are kind of paying out most of the mm. moment, aren't they? I, they I, are, but... yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm running for the Empire at the moment, which is unusual for me, mostly because an outpost will not have large landing pads, while a, um, a planetary base probably will. So I'm I'm doing it for the large landing pads. Ah, uh, see, see. I I was going for the selfish option of thinking that you know, oh, maybe they're they're used to being in space, so an outpost would be more comfortable for them, more like home. Yeah, but then they'd be living in zero G for the rest of their lives. They don't even have rotating sections. See, I'm, if it was me pers- my own personal view, um, and I'm, I'm, the only reason I'm going for the credits is that because there isn't a third option, which is the Opium Wars option, which is get them all hooked by an onion head and then, <laughs> and then just sell them whatever, the evil option. There isn't the evil option. No. Shan, just sell them. Yeah, I was going to say, that's what the Empire is going to do anyway. It's going to put them down on the surface and put them in the mines. So, I mean. Well, no, no. What, he, what, what, you, what the real solution would be would be to sell them, on, get them hooked on the onion head. They've been in the same place for a thousand years, so they haven't got any credits, so they'd have to borrow. And they'd get into debt. Then you, then you let the Imperials win and just have the whole crew and colonists as Imperial slaves. <laughs> and this message was brought to you by the Humane Bank of Shan. <laughs> Vote Shan. You know it makes sense if you are a turkey wanting Christmas. So, <laughs> um, you know, I wish we could actually get. I know we're not going to, but if we could get uh, an outpost, and then they could go off and bolt one of the Galcondas rings onto the outpost to give them a gravity section. Oh, that would be cool. Uh, do you think they'll, they'll actually go to that amount of effort of just to create... Frontier. Frontier. New... Sorry, I'm, I'm sounding negative against this Frontier here, but I am. You know, no, I do not think Frontier would do it. Yes, I think it would be awesome. That's fine. That's fine. Um, so, yes, this, um, this community goal runs until the 26th of November. Uh, after that, then whoever wins, Federal or Empire, for the next two weeks after that, if you want your um, uh, Federal or Imperial rank um, to be enhanced or to go up quite a lot, um, it's they're running at double the reputation. So basically... You run a risky mission, you get double the points towards your next federal or imperial rank. So I must admit there'll be a whole load of cutters or corvettes after after that's finished. Public service announcement here. If you buy yourself a corvette, make sure that sell it back again. You have the rank again, so you know. Don't I know people who went off and bought cheap cutters in the past, and then they took them out off. For, you know, they made them put them behind the the rank wall again, and people went off and sold it, and then it was like, oh shit, I can't get my cutter again. Well, the same was true when they did the free uh, clipper. 
Yep. You know, when um, we had a new emperor or empress, and she is, they, they reduced all the rank requirements and people went out and brought cheap clippers. And then they put the rank requirements back again, but people sold them and of course they had to grind the rank back yeah. to rebuy them. Yep. I must admit, I remember that quite well because um, I finally got enough credits to afford the clipper. Uh, um, the day after, they oh, no. put the rank <laughs> back up again. So basically, I had to do the full rank grind to get the the clipper, being very careful with the pronunciation at the moment. Uh, and uh, yes, and that's probably why I haven't got a cutter yet, is because basically I'm at Baron. I'm looking at what's needed for a, for a cutter and going, nope. Kirov has just made a lovely point over in Twitch chat about Frontier making an Expanse game. Ooh. Yeah. I'd buy that for a dollar. I'd buy that for about $60. <laughs> yeah. That's... Is the Expanse a big enough franchise, though, do you think? It's a bigger franchise than Elitis. I'm not sure about that. No, I'm not sure about that, actually. You think? No. No, three mm. million sales for... You know, it's now owned by Amazon. Yeah. Well, sort of owned by Amazon. Maybe. I, I'm not I'm not sure. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm now picturing... Can you imagine if Frontier go off and do the Expanse thing, and then we suddenly, in Blue Origin, we suddenly start seeing Elite Dangerous' controls and heads-up displays? <laughs> That's an X-52. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's actually impractical in the Expanse, isn't it? I think the, the heads-up display thing, I think, would work fairly well. No, the heads up, yeah, but the an X fifty two is you wouldn't be able to pull half your maneuvers with the G. Hmm. You wouldn't be able to move the joystick. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Not that I'm being all picky and physicacy about it. Yeah, that's one of the things I love actually, that at least in the books, they talk about having tiny finger controls on the I guess on the armrests or something like that, so that they've got the proper controls. But then, you know, when they're doing hygiene maneuvers, they can all, they've got lots of pinky controls as well that just require very gentle and subtle maneuvers. If you're into your sci-fi program, there's an easy way of telling the budget of the, of the program or film you're watching but based on the joystick the pilots use. Because <laughs> if, if they're cheapskates, they'll just have a, a thrust master, something or other, or maybe um, one of the Logitech single ones. And if they're really rolling in budget, I'll have a warthog with all the numbers, with all the switches and stuff on it. Actually, you're not far wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm quite sure that the uh, on the old uh, Babylon 5 Star Furies, the joysticks and that look like cheap quick shot twos, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> And I'm now really showing my age. Hands up all those who know what a quick shot two is. Yeah. I think every one of us here watched the watch Babylon Five though. <laughs> hey, I wonder if that's the new license. No. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> well, no, Firefly. There was a Babylon Five game that was That almost, got fairly long in development. It, it didn't did, it? yeah. It did. Yeah, Sierra yeah. cut um, cancelled it at the last yeah. moment. 
which was yeah. a shame because I was all set up for that. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, I remember seeing the trailers for that and everything. That was that was looking so good. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> so I mean, the one thing that I do want to just touch on: Do you guys think it's it's the right thing to be able to sign up to both powers for this kind of um, community goal? Wouldn't it be better that you sign up exclusively for one? Yes, it would, but it's always gotten that way before, so I don't see it changing again. Well, it's it's kind of if you, if you couldn't play both sides off against each other or sign up to both parts, I think it would be missing something because there's that there's there's that pure mercenary element to a league, and if you could only do one or the other, you'd miss that mercenary. I don't really care about the politics or the morals. I just give me the money, kind of thing. Because that was in. Um, the Frontier Elite Two and FFE games as well, wasn't it? You could play, you should do both, play, play both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, fair enough. Um, as, it's I, just that I felt it might be interesting to, to you know, nail your colours to a mast. And hmm. I, I think that's the, the great thing about the Elite, though, isn't it? Is it, it's up to you if you know if you want to make that moral choice, you, you can, but it's left open to you. Yeah. Well, moving on from there, we'll just uh, quickly touch on. Well, we don't have a newsletter, but we did have a um, a store alert. Store alert forty five. So there's new skins available for the Viper, and I think it is. Is it the crate again? No, no, it's the um, it's the vulture. Um, so they've now got um, snake skins. For, for those and some very nice red ones. So if you've got a Viper or a Vulture, I think, are they doing it in alphabetical orders? It seems to be the Vs this week. No? Okay. Well, moving on from there, um, we'd like to take a quick ad break and then come back with our main discussion. Um, it has been five years since the uh, premiere event or the launch party and it's one of the reasons why we've got crash here so we'll be going into that that nostalgia after the break oh you get all sorts here smells like it too mirth horrible stains marigolds there you go donkey dick it says here next my dear man cox like an obese child no it's the 34th century. What the fuck's that? Patient. Nada. Sounds majestic, because it is, Michelle. This is Beyond Dockers. We buy any ship. Bar none. We buy any ship. Bar none. Any model, any colour, any shape, any size. We buy any ship. Bar none. We here at We Buy Any Ship Bar None are ready to take your excess space travel vehicles off your hands. No more negotiating with dodgy space station vendors. We'll simply give you an estimated quote online. Then, when you get here, we'll point out all the little dints and scratches that make the price get smaller and smaller before we actually give you any money. And the beauty is, we take any ship. We buy any ship. Bar none. Terms and conditions apply. 
We buy any ship, excludes trading in any of the following vehicles. Adder, Anaconda, Asp, Bauer, Cobra, Constrictor, Cruisers, Eagle, Falcon, Gecko, Griffin, Gear, Harris, Harrier, Hawk, Kestrel, Crate, Lanners, Lifters, Lions, Mantis, Merlin, Mori, Osprey, Panther, Puma, Python, Saker, Sidewinder, Skeet, Spar, Stowmaster, Tearsel, Tiger, Transporter, Turner, Viper, Wyvern, or any Imperial or Thargoid vessels. And welcome back. Um, so, leaving, leaving the... Um the Beyond Dockers aside for a moment, which you'll be able to catch up with at a later point um, on a Thursday. Um, it has now been uh, all, well, actually it's almost five years, but and this is the closest show to it. But five years ago, um, a lot of the Lave Radio crew and Crash were down uh, watching basically the game being launched. Uh, and, you know, we thought we would go over some of the the memories from that and where we think the game's actually got to since then. So uh, just quickly touching on this, um, uh, Ben, you were down there. I mean, well, both Ben and, and Cal, what, what was your major takeaway from that? Yes, we went down, um, uh, some of us down, for all well because we were backers or founders or one of the various different things that they allowed us to go down and entitled you to the uh, ticket to the party or you bought a ticket or you know as we were all as well invited down um mm. to be part of the sort of you know, acknowledgement of the podcast work and basically go down as a what would you call it press almost isn't it yes we were we were um we were broadcasting guests who were shoved off into a corner. That's it. We had our own live radio corner. And it was awesome fun. It was a real joy to be involved and to to get in behind the scenes as well, um, where we got to see the um the nervousness, have a wee chat with Ed before he went on stage, see Karash in a suit trying to look respectable. That, that was that was scary. Um, Trying. Yeah. Grabbing various different devs and people as we run around for chats and setting up our wee stand where we, we'd recorded interviews with folk and um, just catching the buzz of it. I mean, to get in a, up there early because we had Kate Russell and I think I had to go and drive and take her to get some sandwiches. Um, and we're in that big hangar bay and just, oh, it's just special. To one, it was an absolute honour and treat to be able to be part of the event as a whole um but to have that kind of access and you know have ed and um i don't even know if zach was around at that stage if it wasn't just ed i think it was just ed wasn't it no no it was just ed. Zach had just joined. Was it just ed i thought zach had just come on no oh. we there was no zach at the shelf it was like ed's first or second week of working for frontier at the time yeah um because I remember I was bumping into him at the bar and uh, on the Friday night, and him sort of introducing himself to all the the crazy people. It's still on YouTube, isn't it? A whole ninety minutes of it, I think. Yeah, and, then, and Ben Ben fell on his arse because he sat down in a chair when we were doing our setup <laughs> and, and and fell to the ground with a clatter, which we had to then edit out of the discussions. Um, we had Lisa Vu as part of the team who did the whole Fuzza, Fuzza, do the thing, do the thing, um, satanic voice. Yeah, it, it was. You could 
you could hear her turn into the Hulk halfway through saying it. Yeah. So many amazing things. Of course, yeah. You, and then we would we would just grab people, bring them over for a chat to the mics as they were passing. And as the evening went on, the drunker they got, the more interesting the interviews. The guy that had chartered his own plane to get over there. I mean, I remember, oh, wasn't there somebody who went off and got an emergency flight basically from the Isle of Wight? Yeah. Or something? Yeah, it's just amazing the amount of people that yeah. the variants editing editing certain yeah, and we edited certain people sober as well. Yeah, okay, yeah, we did that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was the after party as well when we went back. Free bar, free bar. We went back to the hotel, and uh, Fozza thought it would be a good idea to set up the recording sis or create a wee mini studio in the hotel lounge reception. And I think we were up till about four, or five a.m. Um, Something stupid like that, I. But the hotel was very accommodating, mainly because we were drinking. God, yeah, the amount of drink that got put, that got put away there. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know... You... Funny that, isn't it? You managed to drink a hotel out of beer again. Yep. It's funny, we do have a mm. reputation for doing that. Yeah. It was sloppy, wasn't it? That was the 45-degree um, angled God, Scotsman oh. in a kilt wandering around at 40... He, yeah, he, was, he was messy, yes. Um... Yeah, it was it was a fantastic weekend, and I had of course we had moved down um, to do the recordings. And what I love most about our episodes from that is the atmosphere that we managed to capture in the background of these recordings. That uh, Moof mm-hmm. had his uh, atmosphere camera to catch the the bubble, the the hubbub, the excitement, the sort of electricity that was there. So when you listen back, you cannot help but get excited about it. And then you know the, the sort of kind of that. Kind of that carnival feel when you go to the sort of you know Christmas carnivals. There's just loads of noise and things everywhere, and then of course you've got the main sort of well, what you would probably consider the main show, um, which probably wasn't as interesting or as electrifying as the rest of the room was. <laughs> but the- oh, I thought. I did see some of the, the videos that they come back and, you know, they've got guys off the gadget show and, and uh, the BBC technology correspondent and all that kind of stuff. People you wouldn't expect to be there to be excited about a video game. And the fact that they they were was, was quite encouraging, I thought. Well, yeah, but as I say, you, you, if you were there, you, you couldn't see all of that because it just wasn't all... Um, available because you were either, you know, the, it was quite a crowd. So I imagine that's one where if you're watching on the stream or whatever they were broadcasting to, I don't actually know at that point, um, that you would be getting um, a better sort of feed for that info than the people that were actually there because there was just so much fun going on. Just, you know, proper just having a drink with people, having a chat and, and enjoying the atmosphere more than what you know the content being put on obviously everything stopped for the frontier launch and to have our our wonderful moment of uh and we'll let him tell how it felt from his point of view the crash um scripted gameplay <laughs> of which we all sit there watching with our fingers crossed that he'd screw it up <laughs> <laughs> thank you that's what you want from us encouragement crash what was that what was that moment like <laughs> Oh, it, it was awesome. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, fortunately, I was I was mostly blinded by the li- the lights, so I couldn't see uh, the vast majority of the the, the crowd <laughs> out there. Yeah, because uh, you were imagining us all mooning you or something deaf like that. Well, I, I come to expect it at that. Point. Uh, yeah, with the, the Dockers crew out there, definitely. 
but uh, no it was it was absolutely fantastic um it, it was chance of a lifetime it was a real honor to help the guys launch i, I still to this day consider myself the, the luckiest fan of this game <laughs> because i you know i still have people confuse me thinking oh you work for this like no i didn't work for them i just i just helped them out with some things and i was just really really lucky i was in the right place at the right time and uh, yeah it was it, it was great fun to do and i mean there was kind of behind the scenes i mean before the event kicked off um i hadn't seen that that sequence for the imperial interdict being showcased first and i hadn't seen that at all i, I had no inkling of what frontier had planned for the day at all. i thought i was just coming down as a guest and just to see the event unfold uh, and they took me into the offices uh and sat me down and said well we're going to show you something now but you can't you can't tweet you can't tell anyone nothing and i was like okay fine and they showed me the sequence and then they showed the the interdictor coming out of uh, uh i assume we're going to call it witch space let's just go old school and call it witch space um and i saw that for the first time and i i know i was just like in shock in awe and i think i think the the guys of the dev team they, they were all watching me to see what my reaction was like and i was i was just like squeeing you know, as i do but it was oh it's fantastic fantastic i mean that was the first time anybody had seen one of these capital ships jump in wasn't it yeah yeah absolutely that's what i mean i i consider myself the luckiest fan in the world to see that because we were all kind of guessing on the forums back and forth of the sort of things that were going to be shown and stuff like that and that was the first time anyone outside of the studio had seen uh, that like, a massive hyperspace distortion uh, come up on the screen and everything like that. And, it, and it was it was just like oh this is this is amazing it's <laughs> i think i think my reaction sold it to the guys they're like yep yep we'll go with this <laughs> i'm just i'm watching the stream that grants back and Willis is in there and that do you remember remember the Crazy. Well, you know, during the Frontiers Alpha and Beta launch days, they used to stay up till, mm. you know, they were doing deployments at midnight, two in the yeah. morning, and stupid yeah. things like that. So we, as a community, were sending them pizzas. <laughs> it's not necessarily um, true because yeah. what they said was it should be released about dinner time, and we thought, well, how early can we make their dinner oh, time? Yeah. So we'll just send them dinner. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, we did send them one at 12 o'clock, didn't we? Or something like that, because it's at dinner time. But I can um, remember, the, I remember, I remember the order, because yeah. um, I managed to get um, sides 50% <laughs> off and pizzas 50% off, and we'd raised a thousand pounds. Didn't we send them about a thousand? So it was two thousand yeah. pounds worth of pizza and sides. Oh, <laughs> two thousand pounds worth of pizza going to Frontier, who at the time were probably about 50 That's people. That's when they first... Waved the white flag and said, "Please, <laughs> please can you just give it to charity. <laughs> You're killing us." Uh, uh, but I remember yeah, the, col yeah. the collective weight of of um, frontier staff doubled. <laughs> uh, but I remember. I, I think it was Adam who controlled this. Um, and they they sent out a little vime. I think. Of somebody, I think I think it was Eddie um, spinning a Coriolis station made out of pizza boxes, made out of Domino's boxes, with a slice of pizza flying into the middle of it. That's a video somewhere as well. We can yeah, put up. I don't even know if that still exists. I think it was on Vine or somewhere, or was an animated GIF or whatever. Yeah, I'm just looking at David Braven's glasses on the video and how similar they are to like cycling sunglasses. Mm. You think it's because yeah. he broke his main pair 
and he kind of he sat on them or something like that and had to. Uh... No idea. Oh, his glasses. I I think he said at one point they were they were kind of tinted to help with the screens because he was using screens. All right. Okay. Um, I remember at one point during the thing when David was talking, uh, he was asking how we all pronounce things like cobra and lave, and like he was like, you know, anyone else say cobra, and nobody in the whole audience said yes. I was like, okay, so you guys all say cobra, do you? Yes, we do, David. I was just looking at his glasses, and they look remarkably rose tinted to me. Oh dear! So he's going for the bono look, is he? No, no. I think I think that's Shannon's negativity meter out again. No, actually, I was I I actually had the chance to go to the launch event because I, I'm not sure if you'd remember, but there was a time when the tickets went on sale on the store um, quite briefly. Mm-hmm. And I could have gone, which is a bit ironic, because where it's held, Duxford, is less than an hour away from me. So I I, I had it in my um, shopping cart, ready to go. And for some reason, I thought, no, I'm not into it that much. I won't play it that much. I'm not going to spend the 50 quid on um, on the tickets to go to the whole bunch of people I won't know. And I'll feel like a complete numpty. But yes, I didn't go because I was shy. Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, in the in the video, the at the moment you can actually see the third scale cobra in the background. Now, I I wasn't able to make the event, um, but it, it wasn't when we when we did see it at the expo. It was a, f- a fantastic piece of work. That mate, I, I sorry to jo- oh, I I was there when they they started bringing it in uh, on like the forklift, and again I was just like, right, put your phone away can't tweet anything can't say anything and i was watching it crying and i think literally a tear come to my eye i was like um that is my childhood coming in through the hangar doors there that is amazing i was just blown away thing is what people don't realize cobra is actually a scale especially didn't you sort of make meow noises when it came in crash you know like you were You know, like making an engine sound like a rocket or something like that when it came in. It's a boost boost. <laughs> yes. Oh, we've, uh, we have noticed a couple of things in the, the chat at the moment. We do have to notify people that the Void Opal reward has been changed. It's Commander Silverine who will now be the target. Um, just don't tell him. No, I thought it... No, no, what? No, no. You haven't quite got that correct, um, Colin. It's Suverine is the target, and then Suverine pays the Void Opals for his own bounty. Oh, nice. So you kill Suverine, and Suverine has to pay the 100-odd tons of Void Opals himself. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if he actually listens back to the show. I mean, in the meantime, uh, um, they're going through a lot of the... um, the the original ship types that came with the game, I mean originally there was only put about <coughs> uh, ten or was it fifteen? I can't remember how many um, how many ship types there were, and I suppose right back at this point, we've completely forgotten how bare bones the launch was. I'm trying to remember. I yeah we we did I remember I remember it being overjoyed other than a sidewinder. Um, 
And I think was that the start of the gamma that that started. Oh, oh well, this this was a little bit of a sore point with me because basically, um, no, no. oh sorry, Colin, go keep talking. I just remember. Yeah, the the gamma, uh, which was the last stage before it went live, two weeks before um, the launch event, they were there just saying, "Oh, okay, we're going to have another wipe, uh, and you'll be able to start over again then." So I didn't bother playing the game as much for two weeks. And then all of a sudden, Michael, I think it was on the very day of the premiere, he turned around and says, nah, we're not going to do another wipe. And I'm there going, I've lost two weeks' progress. Everyone else is two weeks ahead of me now. Not that I'm bitter about it. And you still <laughs> not caught up. Well, but yes, because that was the day of the, that was the, the week or so of the rare goods rush, wasn't it? Where you could buy as many mm-hmm. rare goods as you like and then ship them everywhere at huge profits. And then, yes, I remember that. Yeah, so does your bank balance. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I, I was feeling very proud because I made it to an ASP, I think, in that two weeks. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it, oh God, it took me months to get to a blooming ASP. That's where I did my first reset. Was, was oh. Full of Imperial slaves and rolled it in the station. Wasn't that the time that you were trying to get friendly with the local pirate faction? And once you got friendly with them, yeah, they shot you down. Yeah, after that, I rolled the ass with Imperial Slaves, went back to the default free Sidewinder, and then couldn't undock from Shinrata because my bounty was so high that they shot me and blew me up as I exited and had to wipe. That was the first wipe. Um, I don't know if I've had one since that one, but yes, that was yeah, that was when you realised that the the galactic response to your behaviour was swift and strong. Um, they probably watered it down a bit too mm-hmm. much since then because it's never really felt that way. If you are, uh, it's one of the sort of, I think one of the criticisms is that your ramifications for how you play the game don't tend to feel quite stark enough. Uh, when you think of the likes of the Grand Theft Autos and Red Dead Redemptions, you always have consequences, whether it be that you're leaving a little village on your way to your next wee mission and you see ten riders coming out after you because you're wanted. You haven't done anything wrong at that time. It's just the fact that you have a bounty there. Uh, and you know, I think back then I remember that, that uh, the game was brutal. You know, you, you dock on land in a system and you're trying to dock, but because you're wanted, you're just blown straight out of the bloody sky before you even can do anything. And you're boosting towards the slot, trying to get into the station before they notice. Well, I remember I still have a face on because back in those days I got caught lifting some we didn't have uh, there was an occupied escape pod, and I we thought, well, I'm I'm being nice, I'm being moral, I'm rescuing this poor guy, but the Federation thought, no, yeah. I'm sla- I'm selling it to slavery or something like that. So I wound up getting a major crazy everyone in the Federation wanting me because I wound up pick, scooping a couple of of pilots who had fallen out of the spaceship. Yeah, I mean that was one weird thing. There was an awful lot of. You know, when you blow up another, you blow up a pirate, the old school went that you could go and scoop their cargo. That was part of the, you know, the um, spoils of war, if you like. But in this game, no, you can't scoop that cargo. It it, is marked as stolen. You can obviously scoop the new materials or newer materials, but yeah, it was. um, And I can't believe that we're talking about this game as it's five years ago now. 
champ. I'm just looking at Mindwipe's um, list of ships that they say was available at launch, um, which they said was the Sidewinder Hauler, Eagle Mark III, and a Cobra III. Type 6, Aspect Explorer, Type 7, Clipper, Python, Type 9, and Anaconda. I'm pretty sure that's about right. I'm not sure about the Adder. I think the Adder may have come later, and I know the Clipper came later as well. Um, I, I can remember taking the Adder to Saj A. Yes, <laughs> so it must have been early. That, that wasn't at launch, though, was it? That was because there was, it was several releases, and they introduced the Clipper Adder. And I believe also, because um, it was announced at LaveCon, was the Imperial Eagle, which I think was, was announced at LaveCon, wasn't it? Mm. So, I think Adder and Imperial Eagle may have been launched at LaveCon. I don't know. Maybe you've got a duff memory, but that's about the list. So there was nowhere near the, the other one. And of course, the most controversial ship of all is, of course, the Cobra Mark IV. Yeah, it's funny you should mention the Cobra Mark IV. Because, Are you doing the Sedgwick? Um, the pilot? Yeah, the pilot. I, w- I was just going to mention the pilot because he just did a uh, a video on the Cobra Mark IV, which is up to his usual standards, except he can't have he doesn't have access to the Cobra Mark IV. So he did a review of the Cobra Mark IV without actually ever flying the ship. So uh, fair play to him because he's right on all the points. It is a ship which is considered um, to be, uh, how shall I put this politely? Um, a bucket, uh, No, a bucket of poo. In fact, no, I'm being too harsh to the bucket of poo there, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if people say that Horizons pay to win, the Cobra Mark IV was pay to lose. So, <laughs> as, as you can tell, I'm not really a fan, even though I can fly it. <laughs> I think I you, you, hit the, you hit the nail on the head there as about pay to win. I think that was kind of the fear is that they didn't want to put a ship in there which people would consider was pay to win. So they tried to make something which just felt average and fit alongside things, but still looked cool. And that's that's kind of where it fits, isn't it? <laughs> looks cool? Really? Well, it, it it looks different. It's like a hot rock version of the Mark III, isn't it? Really, it's just kind of got a couple of. Oh, it's got a spoiler on it. Exactly, it's got a spoiler on it. It, it <laughs> you know, it it looks different, looks interesting, but it's not exactly going to give you a big benefit over anyone else who doesn't have. It. <laughs> yeah, and I must admit that it might look like a hot rod, but it and um, yes, doesn't. It's exactly actually perform. a worse. It's actually a worse ship than the Code Mark III, isn't it? It. it in my opinion, it is, yes. The I'm only thing I think... About the... Is this whole or... Oh, no, it is, it is the Elite Dangerous uh, Cobra. Uh, I thought it only had one central hard point where that's, the Elite... Where the logo is, but it is. it has got two at the side. Well, the, the one with the single hard point in in-game is Jameson's Cobra, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's supposed to be, in the if suppose in the lore, that's supposed to be the, the kind of ship you'd fly in the first game. Yeah. Which has had the one gun. That was a Cobra Mark. So Cobra Mark 3, Mark 1 or something. <laughs> oh, Viper. Sorry, Viper was in there at launch, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, the Viper was I, in. Th- yeah, I think it was. Yeah, the Mark 3, wasn't it? Mark 4 came later. Yeah. 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 Oh, I loved the Viper. Until you got hold of the Cobra. See, I think I started in a Cobra, because by the time... Gamma came out, or whenever I was sick of flying a Sidewinder all the time. 
Uh, yeah, so but, I started in a Cobra with, with a thousand credits, not a hundred. Mm, I mean, I must admit, I regret actually starting in the Cobra because, to be okay. honest, um, I found that the part that I've been enjoying the late, uh, lately has been working up from the Sidewinder to the Cobra. I found that, that particular yeah. section really enjoyable. And I think I kind of missed out on that. On, on, uh, in Gamma. In Gamma, because we basically... Because if you were a, an alpha backer or a, a beta backer, you could eventually choose your starting point and they would give you up to, I think, the Cobra for launch. And if you bought... Um, Elite Dangerous, and then within the first year, you also got an eagle hidden away somewhere, didn't you? Yeah, you got your freegal. Your freegal. The freegal, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> no, that was, I, I sold that freegal to get some better equipment for my Cobra, if I remember correctly. Uh, flip it. <laughs> I, I wonder if in... For, you know, in the 2020 release, whether they'll have a similar release party or a similar big event, because it will have been quite a while. And if the rumors are correct, it's space legs and atmospheric planets. That's almost worthy of a launch event. We might get a Frontier Expo. I mean, yeah, I mean, a Frontier Expo thing would probably would probably suit Apex, it. Apex 2020. Yeah, I can see that. I'm just wondering if they will make as much fuss about it as they did the actual launch of the game. I, Sorry, I don't think there'll be uh, an expo because they're now with, what, three active kind of ongoing licenses and therefore your expo, you'd want to be able to do all your announcements at once. And it sounds like the Elite mm. one's coming 2020 and then the next two are over 2021. Um, I can't see a big opportunity there to be able to collate them into one big one. Maybe when they announce the new IP, then that could warrant that kind of stuff. But again, you know, as a business point of view, it's great to have these events. And the last thing they want is to split the events down into there's the Elite event, there's the Planet Coaster event, there's the mm. Jurassic World events. As much as that would be easiest to then manage these launches and having your parties, you're quadrupling your costs um, or you're cutting down the potential huge turnout that you could get if you could shape them all into that one. Um, I'm not really aware of any other developers that kind of aren't a single IP party anyway, you know, World of Warcraft, that would be uh, Minecon, all these things. I'm not aware of a studio that does its kind of studio con. Oh, no, BlizzCon. Yeah, That's exactly BlizzCon what BlizzCon is, Grant. Is, yeah. You know, they, they do World of Warcraft, they do... Diablo. Uh, Diablo, well, the Diablo franchise, the... Overwatch. Oh, yeah. Um, plus Hearthstone... Uh, they though they've got their Dota clone thing, which might um, even just be called Dota, isn't it? Yeah, I do know that in the old in the old MMO days, um, uh, SOE used to do that for all their games as well. Which the thing is, that you talk about Frontier Expo is, and this is just my impression, but I don't know if you noticed it. But when they were doing the big main stage presentation, you know, where they went through Planet Coaster and Jurassic Park and stuff. There was a tangible, oh, come on, get on with it. I want to see what's happening to Elite Atmosphere. So although there was other games around, it was very much, oh, come on, just give me the Elite stuff. 
I don't know if you guys picked up on that at all. Yeah, I did. I, th- I think it was the statistically it was an overwhelming preponderance of uh, elite fans there compared to the rest. It's, it's probably because the other franchises were relatively new in comparison. I think that's I think that's all it was. I mean, I mean just looking at the just touching on the future. I mean, do we want to play the um, that short um, thing from David Braben about the future of elite as of twenty fourteen? with uh, David Braben who is sitting and signing some tickets for people and some pictures. Uh, he's just had his picture taken with a man in a horse mask. Uh, and a bunch things, of things we do for a great game. <laughs> I have to say, I mean, I was going to ask you if you're pleased with how the event is going. Um, I have to say, you look absolutely thrilled. Is this, oh, it's, uh, it's great. It's a wonderful, wonderful event. And um, people have been so kind, so nice, been so positive. That, um, it's, it's wonderful to see the game treated so well, if you know what I mean. So many people, some people put back at work now, working hard till late. They just came late on. You know, they work really hard because they really care. And I think that's what really matters. Let's make this the best game we can. So was this event everything you expected or has it surpassed your expectations? Or, I mean, how much did you... It's good. I think what has... Obviously, I always we always aim high. Um, but I think what has really surpassed my expectations are the reaction of people who visited. They've been so friendly, so good. It's been wonderful. And I noticed that when the, 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 we had the big reveal and the hangar doors opened and the, the Cobra was there, I noticed that you were sort of punter side watching that reveal. Was that a deliberate intention? You wanted to get that experience I for yourself? I wanted to see it. And also, I'd, I'd been talking to people out there, so it was logical to do that rather than hide behind here. Well, that's fantastic. Well, congratulations on a great night. Um, can you just do me a favour and say, uh, my name is David Braben and you're listening to Lave Radio? Yep. My name is David Braben and you're listening to Lave Radio. Thank you. Thank you very much. There, there you go, I was, yeah, I was just going to say, I, I, I'm not sure about playing the 2014 David Braben interview because it sort of rings of Theresa May on the sets of Lancaster House, really. It's just so long ago, I don't think we can hold Frontier to it because at the time what they thought was possible has turned out to be a lot more difficult than what they envisioned. So I, I think it's a little bit unfair to to put some of that on and people expecting them to be held to it. Yeah, I, th- I think that the key factor that a lot of people glaze over, and they, I know there's a lot of frustration because there's still, you know, the instancing issues and the things that people get upset about, rightly so. Um, but the thing that people forget about is this is Frontier's first multiplayer game. So they they don't have the experience there in the house. They've had to learn all that from scratch and they've been learning on, on the job ever since the launch. So, uh, you know, it, Hopefully things will improve. Hopefully they they can hire some people in house that will help them improve with things that are still causing them issues. But uh, you know, it, credit where it's due. They they've bit off the most difficult genre to try and uh, start with as a multiplayer game, and it's their first IP with with multiplayer built in. The the counter to that is Crash. Is if you haven't got the experience to do something in house, you hire people who do, and this now five years since launch and i'm going to be blunt here they're still making the same errors and i'm not talking about bugs i'm talking about the way for example they deal with exploiters all the whole thing about how you handle a multiplayer game is or even designer it's still behind the curve we're even where games like fortnite are really from a new studio so yeah if you haven't got the experience in the in-house, you hire it. Um, so 
I'm sure there are reasons for it, but from the outside looking in, I, I don't understand a lot of the decisions they've made or haven't made. No, no I, I can't explain or justify it, but I mean, it's something I've, I've touched frequently on, on my streams as well, is, is that, you know, it, there seems to be one or two people in, in there which know how to deal with the issues, but then a lot of uh, programmers who work at, you know, it, it, different concepts, diff- different conceptual layers of the game, and they still struggle to grasp the whole networking concept. Like, they're, they're fine working with the, the engine uh, in-house with, from, from a kind of single-player perspective, but when it comes to multiplayer, it seems to, <laughs> it seems to keep redoing the same mistakes with every major release. Do you think it's because, as we've mentioned before on the show, that there is such a significant technical debt, it's almost now impossible to go back and fix it because it's so embedded into the game? And it may, and it may well be so complicated now, the code, that even simple things like adding a decal break stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if you go back, I mean... The way the way I draw more insight um, into how the how the game's working now is to go back and look at their earlier games, and there's still um, to this day. I think that there's there's elements of the code base which date back to the to the mid to late nineties. Um, so there's there's still some key functions that that work in the same way as that. So when you go back and you look at the way that say Frontier Elite Two was built up, um, and you look at the save game files and the things, so I've dug into like no end the actual structure of those files are built in such a way that they're using minimal amount of memory space do you know what i mean like back in the days like you you you, you can't spare an extra byte for uh, <laughs> the position of your of your like the, the the registration plate of your ship so there's only five bytes right in the middle of the save game and everything else just has to fit in uh and it's i think it's the same sort of th- uh, problem they've got now is that slotting something new into those things causes all kinds of stuff to go out of kilter. And when you've got that in a networking scenario, it's an absolute nightmare. Uh, and that, that's what I see keep having problems. Like things like, uh, I think one of, the, one of the more recent things I saw was still an issue is the fact like mining in, in a wing is still problematic for a lot of people. I think you still have glitches and issues where one person will trigger a limpet and it will explode for the other players and things like that. Um, and I think a lot of that is down to the fact that you've got that tight packet of of data describing the scenario from one player to the next and it's there's conflicts there's things where it's getting synced up between the players and there's conflicts in the ids of the objects who owns it what state it's in and all that kind of stuff and that's why you see those kind of errors it may be going slightly off topic crash but i'm i'm interested to get your take on what was tweeted the other week about the um code renewal from an investor statement did you pick up on that at all no, no, I missed that. Is, is there a quick synopsis on what they said? Uh, well, there was a uh, there was a, a tweet from a an, a investor who was at the investors meeting, and um, they went through the various reports. And um, I forget the exact words, and it, it'll be up on the show notes from last week. But there was there was a statement that David Braben had made that in the twenty twenty, um, they're not only looking at fixing bugs, but they are looking to renew the code as well as part of that and we were speculating what renew the code actually meant yeah yeah well i mean i'm, I'm hoping that will happen uh, i'm hoping you know with the, the significant investment they've had that they can hire in people with the expertise kind of go over the code base and identify those sort of problems um i think it's definitely uh, possible i'm just reading through the chat and the, the the peer-to-peer model i think i think it's it's 
perfectly serviceable as as a a, a model to use because um, I know that that's been a hot topic since the very very beginning. You know, why didn't they go client server? Um, and I know a lot of it was was cost driven. Uh, it certainly is like the cheapest way for them to run and maintain a service is to go peer to peer. And it it does work well for those kind of combat scenarios when there are two people in instance. It is probably the most efficient way of running a, a network arch- architecture for that sort of uh, uh, scenario. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it's a tricky one because I don't think going in there and gutting it and and replacing it with something like that is going to fix all of their problems. I think you're still going to see the same sort of problems can happen with client server. You're still going to see lag spikes and, and issues like that. It's just the fact that the the internet architecture that we have in most countries is just not good enough for the sort of jobs that we're expecting of it. This isn't a first person shooter game. This is the problem. This is this is what a lot of people forget. When you, when you're dealing with something like a first person game, it's very very simplistic. The model of the game. So everyone's just a object which is moving around with velocity and position and all that kind of stuff. You're not a big complicated uh, object. You know, maybe you have a few statistics about that object, like the the health and their uh, their current weapon and current ammo and stuff like that. You don't have this massive, great, complicated thing with hundreds of different factors, like the the heat, the uh, uh, the the fuel, the speed, the uh, system, the engines, weapons. You know, all of those things about ships. It's a massively complex object that you have to transfer across networking things. So the bandwidth requirements just go through the through the roof. You know what I mean? It's it's it doesn't have the same kind of needs and, and, and uh, solutions as you would have in a first-person game. So it's not something you can hire in a lot of expertise for to say, hey, apply your first-person shooter knowledge for that game you built over there to this thing. Most people would come and look at that and go, yeah, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to do that same sort of optimization. There. Well, also, it's, you get lag issues and all sorts of stuff like that, connectivity issues, even in first-person shooter games and also um one of the interesting things that when you talk about the client's uh, server architecture is if you have separate servers you will then face the issue with your friend decides to join a year down the line but they can't because the server that you're on is full or you have to regionally divide up your community so some you have an American data center and a Europe data center and an Asian data center just to cope with the latency that is inherent in long distance uh, communications. So it's not the panacea for everything. Um, and if you consider what Elite is doing, um, you know, it's not just having a model running around a, a map with 30 odd players in, it's stimulating a galaxy with thousands of players in. And with, with that potential to instance with any of them, yeah, yeah, and it, like I said, it's 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 a difficult thing for them to get right, and and I'm hoping they do find a way of, of simplifying it, improving it over time. I mean, they've they've done a lot of the quality of life stuff over the last year or so, haven't they, to kind of in, in, improve the way the matchmaking works and things like that. And but you know, the biggest the biggest trouble is in a, in a peer to peer situation one player in that instance obviously has to be the authority uh in in that particular island of players how the game kind of operates mm. and if that particular player has shoddy internet with bad connectivity you get a lot of drop packets and things like that then you're gonna everybody in that instance is suffering from a really poor experience um and it's it's not an easy thing to mitigate uh, you, you, the, the engine could quite easily support 
dozens more players than what, what the, the limit was set at the cap. That was kind of picked arbitrarily based on statistically reviewing various experiences and kind of seeing that, yeah, many more than around that 2030 mark and you start to have issues. Sure, you could scale up the peer to connections to 64 plus players, whatever, all, all manner of number of players if you wanted to. And we've seen that in some of the community events, like some of the big jumps. Don't you guys remember that, like where people were, were doing the mass jumps? The most too. Exactly, yeah. And it was absolutely fantastic. So it shows that the engine is technically capable of supporting it. The, the issue is that our network infrastructure is just not good enough for such a large-scale game. That's, that, that's the problem you have there. So just looking at your, um, probably what ranks as the universe's strongest eagle in your, um, your fight with the capture crash. So was that done on local servers or was that connected at the frontier and below the internet? Oh, for the for for yeah for the actual event, it was uh, I think it was a locally run server there on the site, and they had to they had to compile and rush it down that afternoon because they were building and testing that scenario up until the last minute, um, and we were kind of nervous because we were been testing on one version that afternoon, and then they kind of shipped down another one just before the the event started. <laughs> so it was like plug this USB stick in the like copy the files over, get the server running, get the client running, and then it was like right. You, you sure this is working right? This is, you know, it was it was a bit nervous, a bit nerve wracking. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a live build running there on on the, the machines because the I mean the server model itself is quite lightweight. The, the way that the, the programs work, it's it can run in the background, and that's something I think Dave promised um, right at the very beginning, saying if there was ever a scenario where they had to shut down the servers, they would um, like open source or give away the uh, the server architecture. Do you think Frontier will still do? I'm hoping they will. I think I think they could. Um, I I I don't see why they they wouldn't do that. Um, it like I said, it's it's a fairly lightweight program. You, if if you take away all of the expiration data and all that kind of stuff, um, it's it could just run in the background, like in your system tray, and and just kind of like respond to client events, and that's that's pretty much all you need it to do. Um, obviously, you wouldn't have the dynamic scenarios happening. The you know, community initiative events and things like that. Because what about um, oh, I, I always Stellar Forge. Would you need a, something like the that? Ste- or Stella, Stella, yeah, Stellar Forge is, is is kind of massively misunderstood. Um, there, there's yeah, there's kind of two stages to it. They they did a whole bunch of simulations offline before the game was built to kind of create the the map of the galaxy and kind of space out the materials in the in the mass and the, the you know all that kind of stuff that was done offline first once they found something that worked well that became the kind of the base uh like low low resolution c for the rest of the uh rest of the sectors and when you go into the galaxy map you see this when you're scooching around on the galaxy map there's like a, a like a spherical region which is populated with stars and everything outside that doesn't exist so the game is literally creating those points on your client side as you're as you're scrolling along so it's all created on your machine and it can be created almost instantaneously the thing that people get confused with is they think because as uh, when you're jumping into a system sometimes it takes longer than others and things like that they people think there's generation happening off in the cloud somewhere and it's being downloaded that's not actually the case the only thing that's happening is you are syncing up with system state for that particular system you're jumping into that's it like you know is it in war or famine or whatever all that kind of stuff are there any players scooching around inside that system and things 
the actual system itself, the planets, the star, all that kind of stuff, all generated on your machine in milliseconds. I think the the other interesting thing when they talk about releasing the code is I don't see them exporting the whole exploration database because from what Plonty was saying, that's absolutely massive. So I can imagine you start off with a blank galaxy. If it's going to single player, you'd have a blank galaxy and then you'd have to rediscover everything yourself, even actually if it'd be worthwhile tagging planets. I mean, would you actually want to tag planets for first discovery in a solo game? Hell yes. Why? Because I, I, I would get to know where I've been. <laughs> this is mine. This is mine. <laughs> yeah. But you get a hack came out that would say, discover every planet in the galaxy, and you'd run it. Yeah? Of course you would. <laughs> yeah, but can you imagine how long that hack would have to run to do all 400 billion stars? <laughs> Ten minutes? And fill, fill up your drive. Fill up your yeah, drive. Put it, put it this way. It will probably be like the, the drink omatics machine in the heart of gold when you ask for a cup of tea. <laughs> it would disable the whole of your ship as it tried to work out everything belongs to Shan. Everything does. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, Mark Winston has been, uh, or Mac Winston, sorry, Mac, I am so sorry. Um, yeah, another drink for mispronunciation there. Um, <coughs> as he, um, he'd like to make a couple of points to the discussion. Uh, he has noticed, as I must admit I, I agree with, is that the instancing has got a lot better over the last couple of releases, uh, bugs aside, obviously. Um, they've had up to 50-plus people and SRVs in an instance for over two hours during the um, A11X at this point this year. Uh, about 18 months ago, he says you would be lucky to get 20. Now, that, that's some high instance numbers, especially with SRVs as well. Um, however, he is a bit um, worried about the release of the server because, um, and I remember this because there was the Elite Club, which they promised to open source the FFE code, but they reneged on that and, and it never happened. But it didn't stop people doing fantastic um, versions of um, Frontier First Encounters, such as, uh, what was it, uh, OpenGL FFE and uh, yeah, John Jordan's yeah. version, which was unbelievable. It actually made the game playable for me. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I used to do my first few streams, actually, was that version of Frontier, because it was just, it was so much more scalable. You could, you could up the resolution and things like that. And I, I think that is a legitimate fear. I, I do worry that in the back in the back of my mind that they might turn around and do that. But I, I will put my I put my hand up now and say, if they ever do that, I will help make an open server. <laughs> you think they release like Elite Classic, like it's been a WoW Classic. So... <laughs> That, that would be or cool. Just and um, twelve ships. <laughs> yeah, as it was at launch, they just released it as it as it was at launch. And then all of a sudden, all the all the naysayers go. Actually, actually, what we've got is quite good compared to this. Wouldn't that just be offline wood? Oh, now there's opening a can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> worms open can. Thanks. Yeah, Mac Winston has corrected me. He's it's JJFFE, um, which. To tell you the truth, which eventually the OpenGL version of FFE was based on, um, that and in, that inter- introduced lateral thrusts, so you could you could um, side swipe, and that just revolutionised the game for me. No, I was I was about to I was just about to think about 
what they said they would do. They said they'd release the code and make it run on your own yeah. machine, but they didn't say they didn't say Elite, the Horizon, Beyond, etc. No, they so, didn't. So if you, if you're being literal, it would be the game as released, which is all they'd need to deliver to keep their promise. One thing I will say, because we sort of in a retrospective one, is when I saw the release and when Horizons came out, I was really expecting to get a Horizon Star release every year. I thought that was the case ah. that we were going to keep to. And yes, I know there's various reasons for it, and we'll go on for the 10 hours if we get into it. But when you're looking at expectations from the launch video, my expectations for the cadence of changes and updates was a lot quicker than what we've actually got. Um, well, yeah, I think everybody once, I think we kind of got spoiled by the first year because um, we ended up with, eventually by the end of the first year, we had all the, sh- well, most of the ships we have now, uh, plus also the power play CQC, which hasn't really been uh, run on since then but you know wings and community goals came along uh, and then when this the announced front um, horizons i thought that was going to be it but yeah we're going to have a dlc of that kind of quality once a year and then obviously when 2.1 was delayed by almost two months you suddenly realized oh this isn't going to be uh, as easy a job as you thought there was a longer delay than that, wasn't there, for 2.1? I think it was 2.3, and there was a long delay, wasn't there? Well, ori- Horizons. Yeah, originally we were expecting the first um, two point, uh, 2.0 Horizons came out in you know December stroke January. And then we were expecting the first one, the engineers, to come out in March. That didn't happen, and it wasn't until May before David Braben announced that actually um, this is taking a lot longer than we were thinking, uh, be prepared for a bit of a delay. And at that point, then every every part of Horizons took about six months, not the sort of three months I think they were expecting. Mm. I, th- I think that's another thing that demonstrates their naivety in, in, in what they've, they've bitten off more than they could chew in effect. <laughs> it was like they had such grand plans of what they wanted to achieve, but it was so much more difficult than they end. Yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously the big one that everyone complains about in Horizon is, is multi-crew. That's, that's the one that um, I think I don't, I, I don't mind admitting I'm still disappointed with it. I think that's one where they did overreach. But um, as far as the rest of Horizons is concerned, um, I was actually quite impressed with it, especially the fighters, especially the Guardian stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, when Beyond came along, I was quite impressed that they actually went back and fixed engineering uh, and pulled it out. And- mm, they didn't fix it. Well, it was a hell of a lot better than it was. And they wrecked game balance. When the silly put in, it wrecked game balance. The, what, the only thing they should have been engineered was was uh, frame shift drives and lightweighting certain aspects of the game. Everything else upset the balance. And, if, and they should nerf power plant engineering at all. 
because it's the power plant that makes stuff unbalanced. Really? I thought it was the power regulator. No, the power plant. The power, the, this is, uh, we, we had this chat a while ago, didn't we, about the Fertilance? The Fertilance used oh, yes. to be limited by power. And you used to have to build your ship to fit within a certain power envelope. And I love that part of shipbuilding. You'd be, you'd be overclocking your power plant by changing the priorities and all sorts of stuff. You'd try and cram as much in as you could. And the power was the thing that balanced the ship. As soon as you effectively have as much power as you like, all the balance goes out the window. Yeah, I think I think that's, that's an, another thing that demonstrates their um, their lack of experience in in building a a, a multiplayer game. Really, is the fact that it's uh, they they didn't anticipate power creep, which is a common problem in any MMO. Um, so they tried to give us really cool things that we'd all want to play with from the perspective of playing it as a single player game. And you know, here's these cool things for you to go and gather and and enhance your character and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, but oh crap, how does that compare to all of the other players in the game? And how does that blow things out? And, yeah, and I think that's that's a very good point. I think it isn't I think it was naivety because it, you and I know if you haven't got the skills, you hire them in. You get people who've done it before and you look at what's worked before and what didn't work before and you copy it. I mean that's one of the reasons how Blizzard is actually so successful, or certainly in the early years, is they would look what worked, they would take what worked and then they'd make it better. Hmm. Completely completely agree with that. I mean, one of the things that I I do like that they've picked up on is that uh, one sandbox MMO, uh, which I used to play, The Matrix Online, it survived basically for three years on basically doing the things very similar to the Interstellar Initiatives. And to be honest, I'm glad that they've picked this up sort of for, you know, these events for other people to do. Because, um, yeah, even if it's a little bit uh, of content and a little bit of of uh, activity. At least it gives you know it proves to people that the the game is still alive and it's not just being put into maintenance mode. Maybe, but I think one person's maintenance mode is another person's um, development time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and one of the things that I, w- I would be hoping for cross-platform when the new era comes out. I, I would love to see that. that. I think that's something I've always championed, uh, developers who do that sort of thing. I think it, it's great. I love the I- idea of being able to share communities across all platforms um, and, and cross-save as well. It's something which is which is a big topic at the moment, particularly thing that Google Stadia has just, just hit, the, hit the news. Everyone's talking about that, um, and it doesn't have that ability to do cross saves. Um, so I, I would love to see more of that. And I know it's a common thing that a lot of people ask for as well as being this, like, oh, can I move my Xbox commander over here? I've, you know, I've just got a PC or, or vice versa. Um, and it, it's, it's, you know, sorely lacking at the moment. So I would love to see more of that in the game. I think it can do nothing but help the community build, uh, build up, a, you know, a great collection of players. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, and Shan will probably agree with me. I mean, Shan, have you ever had to move characters across from one server to another in MMOs? Um, yes, but it's always been easy. Um, uh, in, in the MMOs I've played, it's always been you either pay your money and you get transferred across a different server and you magically reappear. The only time it gets tricky is if your character name has the same name as another character on that server. Um, mm. In in Get Your Drinks Ready Guild Wars 2, yeah. um, 
check you, it's kind of the best of both worlds because it's open world with hundreds of players in an instance. But they are they are managed like at a server level, but the ser- but you can just hop across the server to join to play with your friends whenever you like. And the one of the best things Guild Wars 2 did at launch is I don't know if you've ever tried to play on a game when it's been launched and there's huge queues just to get on the server and get on and you whatever. All Guild Wars 2 did was if the server you rolled on was busy you then had a prompt to come up is, do you want to play on a temporary server? Yes or no? And then what happened? You'd go and play with your temporary server and you'd level whatever. And as soon as your server was free enough, you'd hop across and keep all your progress. So you, you still played even when your server was full. And all the, tra- all the stuff would transfer across. Yeah, well, I mean, that is one advantage with, with the, uh, the peer-to-peer is that we don't have to worry about those sort of specific server transfer issues I suppose well you don't but there's still the platform transfer issues which is what's been alluded to you've got people's names and things like that there are ways that that can be resolved and then obviously if all Frontier need to do is implement a way for commanders to go change their name everybody gets one free name otherwise it's 10,000 arcs I was just thinking about cross-platform is there not a case though that players on consoles could be seen to be at a disadvantage because, by and large, they play on controllers and don't have the access to no, the keyboard. commanders <laughs> who play on the controllers or keyboard and mouse. Well, the other thing I please say is that PC owners have stuff like voice attack and they can put macros and stuff like that to voice and all the stuff like that. I'm just wondering you know, how you know, that play I, I don't... You know what... I don't think that's as big a problem as like a first-person shooter game. I, I think yeah. it's actually a lot, a lot easier in this scenario because, as Ben was alluding to, there is it, a lot of people still use. It. I mean, I still pick up the Xbox controller for like driving the SRV. It's just more, more comfortable. So. I will say one thing though: that the PC guys uh, have a distinct advantage in the fact that you can head look, and um, on top of that, the guys who have the VR headsets, that is another advantage. On top of that, because <clears throat> um, yeah, it's the, yeah. the situational but, uh, awareness you get is far superior. I strongly think, though, that come 2020 and the Xbox, whatever the hell it's called this time, Scarlet. and the PlayStation 5, <laughs> seriously, they're calling the next Xbox Scarlet? Oh, that's what it's code name at the moment. Okay, whatever the hell they're going to call it, and the PlayStation 5. I strongly think that those computers or consoles, whatever you want to call them, are going to be powerful enough to have their own virtual reality stuff properly implemented and they'll, they'll run elite. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll get VR on PS5 and Xbox if they give... X- can, Xbox users can't do any kind of VR at the moment, can they? I don't believe so. No. 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 I mean, um, has anybody... Just going a little off topic here. Has anybody tried the VR on the PlayStation No Man's Sky yet? Not on the PlayStation, no. Because I've I've been told it is phenomenally good. I've done the No Man's Sky VR on PC and it's enjoyable. Um, I've got PlayStation VR. Well, I had it. My my daughter's nicked it. Um, <laughs> so I'll get it back at some point and I'll need to try that. But um, it's. Um, it's teleport God. movement again, which is always 
in my book a bit disappointing. Yeah. Bollocksum has has said that PS4 No Man's Sky is awesome in the chat room. And I must admit, in the video, I'm looking at a very, very young head, which is scary. <laughs> no beard. God rest his soul. Yeah. That's why he sold, he, he sold out to the fallout. And... He's not dead. He's just joined Bethesda. That well, is dead. Well, it sold his soul. But, you know. <sighs> but still. Perhaps he thought Frontier wasn't beating him up enough, so he went to Bethesda and joined Fallout 76. <laughs> yeah, maybe he got addicted to salt. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the frying pan into the fire. Yeah. So, um, I mean, moving on from, from there, I mean, it's a long time to go, but are you, have you got still got faith about the 2020 update crash? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I I know that the team's passionate. I know they want to do the best they can do, and it, it's it it feels like I'm I'm knocking them down when I, I I'm being negative, and I I don't I don't want to be, but it's it, it is disappointing when we see uh, the problems they've had. Um, but on a positive uptake, I know that the team are passionate. I know that they want to do the best they can do. And that doesn't always come across from from the outside. We're looking in, and we're we're always like hypercritical because we love the game so much. We want it. To, we want it to be the best it can possibly be. And when they they don't achieve that, um, it becomes a you know, a, it just it just feels like we're being let down in some way. So it, I I'm absolutely positive that the team are working their collective asses off to make that that update is as amazing as possible. I I still remember to this day when uh, they brought me in and, and they hadn't even announced horizons and they said oh we're just going to show you something really quickly and then they just showed me the land and i was like holy crap is that you guys have done that already and, and it, it seemed like a massive jump from what we had to what they were showing me then it seems like a massive jump so i'm hopeful we're going to see something like that again which was like a massive surprise no one's expecting them to do it um but they're certainly capable of doing it i've seen them do it before so i'm hoping they do it again. i think the thing that for a better word damaged frontier most is how they communicate now with the community and i I think they Hmm. seriously start looking at how they set expectations in the community for stuff because it's almost as though they're afraid to tell us anything in case they're wrong Hmm. but when there's an absence of information that's when doubt grows that's when all that stuff so if they said look you know it was like the uh, like the carrier delay and I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you if you heard about that crash or, or, yeah. or thought about yeah. it at all, yeah. but there is no way that carriers were not behind. There's no way they changed track to fix bugs and then delay carriers six months. Carriers were going to be delayed anyway because you're by the time you know you're eight weeks at the most away from your release, your stuff is feature complete, it's designed, it's da da da. They should have come clean and said, yeah, we tried carriers out. We can't. They're, they're introducing so many bugs and it needs all this and this and this. So therefore, we're delaying them. And in the meantime, we've got all this stuff going on rather than try and hide it behind the impression of doing us a favor. And, and that was a bit I thought was a little bit naughty because it didn't make sense to me when you thought about it. 
Well, I, I think they would have done the same thing they've done on previous updates if they would they would have released what they had and then incrementally patched it, which is what they've done on every other update. And because they had that feedback from the group of people who approached them and said, you know, tell us what's going on, be be more clear and, and kind of, you know, actually do what we're asking you to do and all that kind of stuff. I think that's when they made the decision. Then it's like, okay, we'll hold it back. You know, if you because there's a lot of pressure from them. If you get you think about it from that point of view, it's like there's a lot of pressure for them to get something out the door as quickly as they can, um, and it's finding a balance between getting it out to us as soon as we can because we're all now champing at the bit for the next big thing. Uh, but then at the same time, we're saying we want it to be, you know, not undercooked. So it, it's a really difficult call for them to make. Uh, and they've they've made the wrong call in the past, and, and occasionally they've made the right call as well. So I, I think they're they're trying to find something that fits for us, and I think that they're kind of in that damned if they do, damned if they don't sort of situation. So so they just kind of took the road of right, okay, you guys have asked us to take our time and do it right, so we'll we will do that. But the way it was spun, that was what kind of got me. It wasn't the fact that the delay; it was the way it was spun, and it was that messaging mm-hmm. I didn't like because it, it sort of smelled dishonest about it and that's just me probably but yeah i just think they could they could set expectations better you know and, and no i personally mm-hmm. don't care if frontier said to me well carriers are going to do this and carriers are going to do that and blah blah and if that's it if, if they can't do that then tell us well actually we tried that and we can't do it but we're going to be like this mm-hmm. i i wouldn't mind i would rather have something like that which communicates mm-hmm. the passion and the fact that I tried something or it didn't quite work out yet and it's delayed. I'd rather have that information than wondering what the heck they're doing. And uh, Cal, yeah, hang on, hang on. Let's interrupt you both. Uh, Cal, do you want to jump in there? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just going to point out to Shan that this is a, a very, what you're asking for is something that works for some people and doesn't work for others. Offline mode, you would criticise them. They were upfront and honest with it, um, but they almost understated it and didn't stage it as something bigger. It's like, oh, and we can't do offline mode because we've tried it; it doesn't work, and moved on too quickly for something. So there's, it's one of those things where they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. And then the other alternative is just to remain silent and say we've got an update coming out, and then just drop it on us like other games do. Um, well, actually, they don't. Other games don't, though, Cal. Uh, other games, if they've got a big release coming out, then you will know details about what's in that release six, eight, nine months in advance, and that then forms part of the marketing plan. And then all of a sudden, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. No, that's not not always. Yeah, no, it, yeah, exactly. It's it's not not everyone's open about it because they want to build up hype. They want to have secrecy. They want to build up suspense. But then they also they don't want to show their hand if they're not confident it's not working. It's it's like I said, it's a big balancing act between that. You know, are we confident it, it's good? Uh, but also, you know, do we do do are the people anticipating what we're going to do enough? You know, and it, it's a really difficult thing. I don't I don't think there's any right answer to it for any of us. Okay, Ben, do you want to quickly jump in there? Yeah, I'm just agreeing with you guys there that you know, for example, we've got Cyberpunk. Which I th- oh, I'm certainly really looking. We've seen a gameplay demo of it, but the gameplay demo itself, they've, they always said this is beta gameplay, and we now, know, we now know that they're being changed, and the gameplay is based, the current gameplay is nothing like the beta gameplay that we saw in the gameplay video, so who knows what the hell we're going to do. 
Um, what game was that? You seem to be cut out. So- oh, sorry, Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, right. But we still know that Keanu Reeves is in it. We know that Keanu Reeves is in it, but we don't know... He's breathed. <laughs> <I'm-> <laughs> what I think about is the, the likes of the, the Sea of Thieves updates. They do, they, they do this sort of um, streamer testing, but it's not like nine months beforehand. I mean, you're lucky if it's maybe two months. There'll be a lot of silent time where you're not involved and the updates are out to these you know, their chosen streamers. Mm. But then they do the marketing. And it's all marketing. So at that stage, you know, the, the, I think they released um, the update and then there was a the Tall Tales element of it, which, if I can remember, got delayed a little bit in the update. Um, it was meant to be part of the release and then it came a couple of weeks later. And that's the kind of... It's difficult because, it you know, you're, you're talking about a game of the scale of Elite is huge and um, it's amazing they can release any updates for it without constantly... Bre- oh, no, they do. That's exactly what they do. They break it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's understandable when you have these smaller um, scale games that you can add features that are wide-ranging in effects. Um, but I, I'm not familiar with them, any sort of games that I've got on my subscription. Maybe it's because I'm not as involved in the communities for them, but I'm not aware of like uh, the updates any significant time other than maybe if they start promoting two months beforehand and it's usually videos and teasers um, is the only information that I get so it's possible that you know in the background of their forums you get far more detail uh, I'm just not privy to it from a sort of common person side um, play the game yeah. and then there's an update and you go ooh I don't really remember seeing for example the Grand Theft um, casino mission thing much before it was released. You know, we knew mm. something was coming, but I don't know if we. Yeah. I don't think we knew exactly what and how big it was. Yeah, I think that was kind of sprung on everyone. <laughs> okay. What I was thinking of, though, just quickly to last point, uh, then, Shan. Okay, um, the games that you guys have mentioned are all what I call cooperative multiplayer games. Um, the games I was thinking of are the massively multiplayer games. So you get, for example, the WoW um, expansions, the Guild Wars 2 expansions, the Living World. They will map those out several months in advance. They won't tell you the story. They will say, this is the thing, this is the thing, this is the thing, and chunk, chunk, chunk. And they will then drip more information as it gets closer to the release date. So with massively multiplayer games, the method of communication is very different to the cooperative games, which CSVs and Grand Theft Auto are. Well, there is one thing that I do have to to highlight is that one of the things that has been requested time and time again has been SRVs as part of multi-crew. And no matter, and I remember this distinctly, is that that has been asked for again and again and again. But um, Sandro at, I think, one of the, the, the comic, the uh, LaveCon panels, she said, listen, there's a technical limitation there. We can't do it. But people kept on, kept on nagging and nagging about this. And it doesn't seem it, it doesn't go in. So, yeah, I mean, as, as you say, Crash, they, there's the way that the... the mm-hmm. The system is implemented because this planet side stuff is slightly different from um, from another from ship. Another ship. Yeah. It, it's, it's difficult. You can do it in wings, mm-hmm. but you can't do it. In, you can do it in wings, can't you? You can have a couple of wing members and crew. If, and, yeah, if, if another another player is going around in an SRV, you can fly over the 
in your ship. But I think the issue that happened with the SRVs was there was some shared um, state in memory from like your particular cockpit to your SRV cockpit, which meant that it it didn't kind of it didn't allow you to have a whole new cockpit happening upstairs uh, uh, for your uh, your ship whilst you were down down in your SRV. So it, it caused a lot of conflicts trying to mo- move those things across. Oh yeah, maybe this is one of the the things that they are reworking at the moment. Big changes, yeah. So Ben, do you want to ask that? So, I mean, there's one of the things that I know we've touched on. John, do you think 2020 will be essentially a complete rewrite or as much of a complete rewrite as as possible in development? Human. Yeah, at this stage, I, I, I'm thinking the game kind of needs that. It's gone through that cycle where they've They've introduced a heck of a lot of stuff to the game. Get rid of the technical debt and carry stuff. On with, yeah, carry on going on with, it, with the quality of life stuff and kind of like refactoring from the ground up and a lot of things. And if they can achieve that, I think that will set a really good platform to them to launch new features on. Essentially making a whole load of new um, foundations for the game, basically, to build upon. Right. Well, on that note, I think we'll, we'll bring everything... Uh, to an end about the uh, what was it the launch event we were talking about and we've gone into the future future speculation again. We've um, launched into the future. Yeah, launched into the future. Nice one. Um, so the, the as far as the community cons, uh, corner is concerned, um, we'd like to actually ask the community. I mean, uh, would you have preferred it if you had the ability to either sign up for the federation or the empire to you know choose a side that's it um also by the time our next episode is released the event will be over so we'd like to know you know what you thought of it um what you think they got right what do you think they could improve on so um if you want to send messages to info at laveradio.com we will gladly um review them and 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 bring them to the uh uh, bring them to the table. Um, we did get one community question, um, and that was people were asking about a fourth season of Escape Velocity. Um, Chris has confirmed that it is in development, but there is nothing to say just yet. So, uh, fingers crossed. No ETA, there. no guarantees. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is one of the things that I know that Chris is still um, passionate about, but... Um, well, we're going to have to have a catch up with him at some point. So, um, before I carry on with the shout outs, does anybody have any uh, final bits that they'd like to quickly touch on? I just want to say thank you, Crash, for coming on. It's been too long since we had you on or even heard your voice. So, welcome back. Oh. Yeah, he's not here. He's left already in disgust. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm back. Sorry, you no, just no, you just yeah. met, uh, missed Shan's heartfelt message to you. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. I literally had child child trouble. I was like, ah, no, not now, not now. <laughs> no, I, I was just saying how good it is to to have you back and to and to talk and and catch up because we we missed you. I- Oh, I missed I missed everyone. I, I said it before, but I, I absolutely from the bottom of my heart, it's been an absolute lifesaver to have the community, you know, 
care about me and and be and be there you know keep asking questions like are you okay you, you know what, what's going on and everything. It's, it's been absolutely wonderful to have that support and it. it's it's been a lifesaver it really has yes i'll, I'll iterate what you what um what sham was saying um cal yes i was going to say if you're bored of waiting for new podcasts you could always check out i was listening to it in the car parallel worlds they did a wonderful feature on um games like um elite and star citizen and no man's sky and broke it down into a what did they promise and how did they do so far and a very balanced argument and that is on uh, available in paper as well from parallel worlds you can get a magazine set out and they've got stockists now i'm I'm doing sue's job here but um i was really quite impressed with their podcast and of course if you want a bit of comedy in your life you've got to check out dockers um beyond dockers episode one is out episode two is on the cutting room floor and promises to be as inappropriate and not safe for work as episode one Yes, as as someone has already said in the chat room, the best space filth you can get anywhere in the galaxy. <laughs> two fingers up the arse. <laughs> yeah, so Sorry, it was two thumbs up the arse. <laughs> okay, uh, well, on, on that wonderful note... Um, this next month, Operation Ida is now holding its second annual holiday. Get see what I did there. Hall holiday. Never mind. Um, which commemorate, commemorates the two year of the initial attacks by the Thargoids in thirty three or three, and the second human Thargoid war, as well as the origin of their group. Now they will be fundraising for Cancer Research Institute and holding events during the four weeks of the Holiday Hall, including one-day station repair, convoys, races, etc. Um, last year's hall was a lot of fun, and they managed to get the word out. Uh, and they even raised over uh, one thousand one hundred dollars um, as well. So, um, if you keep a, an eye out for um, the uh, Operation Ida holiday, then um, uh, they'll they'll be very glad to have you along. Um, in addition to that, the Anti-Xeno Initiative are also celebrating their second year anniversary. And on Thursday, the, the 21st of November at 10 a.m. and 23, uh, 2300 hours UTC, they're flying around Astropi, Kaleno, and uh, oh, Sterope 2 in a hyperdiction hunt. So if you can contact them over the Anti-Xeno Initiative Discord, uh, they'll be uh, glad to have you along because I think this one's being held in a private group. Um, Our sister station, the Hutton Orbital Truckers, or Hutton Orbital Radio, it broadcasts on a Thursday at half past eight um, UTC. You can tune in at tv.forthemug.com or just if you want the audio at radio.forthemug.com. Uh, and for the discerning commander who likes a bit of CQC action, you can also check out the CQC Discord at discordme.slash Elite Dangerous CQC. Um, following this, I do believe we have the fantastic Galnet news as provided by Commander Wotherspoon. Uh, and we'd like, like to thank uh, everybody who's chipped in in the Twitch chat uh, and joined us around uh, the leave station bar. But um, just quickly, we will say thank you for to Crash, thank you to Shan, thank you to Ben, and thank you, of course, uh, to PsychoCal for doing the fantastic sound and, and video. Uh, 
But that is it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email at info at laveradio.com, hit us up at facebook.com slash laveradio, tweet us on at laveradio, or you could join our Discord server where uh, people come to come and have a chat at discord.io slash laveradio. We also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, which you can find at teamspeak.laveradio.com. This is shared by with the Hutton Orbital Truckers. You have been warned. Uh, but do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at half past eight UTC and uh, or is that 2030? And it is streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So until next time, commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Nineteenth of November, thirty-three o five. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, we want to do what's best for them. Thargoid free for twenty weeks. Make a date with a Xeno interceptor. We want to do what's best for them. While the lost people of the Golconda remain aboard their generation ship in Upaniklis, the leaders of the galaxy have been planning a better future for that insular little family of settlers, having decided that the Golconda megaship, which has suited the settlers just fine for 1,200 years, is now just too small for them. Mummy from the Empire wants the Golconda to move in with her, and is preparing a planetary base presumably on one of the wide range of barren icy bodies the system of Upaniklis offers. 
Daddy from the Federation is offering to create an outpost, so the settlers will be moved from the spacious Golconda, with its inertial gravity rings, to a tiny Hutton orbital-sized station with no gravity and quite possibly a blockage in Cubicle 3. The warring parents both think they know what's best, but they sure as anything don't plan to ask. The settlers off the Golconda. Thargoid free for 20 weeks. The Thargoids started their invasion of the Pleiades and the Bubble two years ago, pushing forward relentlessly week by week, at one point advancing to within 30 light years of Sol, and leaving a trail of damaged stations in their wake. Humanity's defeat seemed inevitable, and then suddenly it all stopped. Following the attacks of 4th of July 3305, no system in the Bubble has been targeted. Two weeks later, after the attacks on Atlas, Tegata and Electra on the 18th of July, the Thargoids ceased their aggression in the Pleiades. On the 25th of July, the Thargoids half-heartedly and unsuccessfully attempted to repel humanity's expansion into the Witchhead Nebula. And then, nothing. Sure, there are still disorganised knots of Thargoids milling around, and you can still summon a Thargoid to a high prediction. But if you don't bother them, they won't bother you. For the apex predator of the galaxy, they now seem pretty tame. They did not break our spirit. They did not defeat us. And the bubble is daring to breathe once again. Make a date with a Xeno Interceptor. Not everyone has been hyperdicted. Not everyone wants to be. But for those who have been unluckily unable to meet their perfect Thargoid soulmate, the Anti-Xeno Initiative has published the following summoning spell. 1. Get scanned by a Thargoid sensor. 2. Scoop it into your cargo. And that's all there is to it. Jump around the systems near Merope, and you should have roughly a 20% chance of being hyperdicted each time you jump. Anecdotally, step two is optional. Just being scanned by a Thargoid sensor sometimes seems to be enough. If you're having trouble finding Thargoid sensors, there's a crash site on HIP 17403, planet A4 that has several Thargoid sensors on the ground that will scan you when you get close. This is also a useful site if you need to make friends with Engineers Professor Ishmael Palin or his protégé in the Witchhead Nebula, for which the trick is to shoot at the Thargoid sensors. And now, you can have fun with your new Thargoid friends. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs>